Good morning, Greater Alton. How's everybody doing today? Yes, I'm excited about the weather. Anybody else excited about the weather? Got your hoodies out? Oh my goodness, I wanted to wear one up here on stage today to celebrate hoodie season is upon us. Except uh, I knew if I wore one up here as much as I move around, I would sweat and maybe pass out. And I had a thin one, but oh, it showed way too much in my belly. <laughs> and so I decided to spare you all that look. You yeah, Thank you, thank you, thank you. I told Alan, you know, Alan's lost, I don't know how many, 50 plus pounds, I want to say, since January. And I told him, he's, he's an inspiration. He's yet to inspire me, but he's an inspiration. And so anyway, we welcome everybody out today. Uh, my name is Gary Chapel. In case you don't know me, I'm one of the three elders here at Greater Alton. And uh, we take turns along with another young feller named Mike uh, speaking, speaking to you all on Sunday mornings. And I've got this week and next week uh, to speak with you. It's kind of odd. I've actually been gone from your presence the last two weeks. Two weeks ago, we were in North Carolina visiting our daughter who was having hip surgery, which went very well, by the way. Everybody, a lot of people have asked me about that. It went, went very well. Her recoveries went well, and we're very hopeful. And uh, they, she texts Friday in her, in her text message or her family chat, and she says, yeah, I went to the doctor and went to therapy and they said everything looks good. They did a CAT scan and everything looks good. And then I'm on my way home. They called me up and said, oh, by the way, the CAT scan revealed an ovarian cyst, which is common for women, from what I'm told from my wife. My wife had those. And uh, so you may want to check with your OBGYN about that. And so I just said, like, on to the next problem. You know, if you know my daughter, she has been a, a medical crisis, problem after problem after problem uh, for most of her life. She's had a series of things. But we were there two weeks ago. Last week I was actually in town, but I was over in St. Louis with Kiff Myers where Miranda was in the hospital and visiting with her and them. And in case most of you didn't hear, she got out on Wednesday, uh, which is great. She's back at school right now. Uh, the, the, the exciting part, and I get all my information from Mike, and you're getting it from me, so there may be some details we missed. Is that fair, Mike? <laughs> Mike qualifies what he tells me that way. So I know I, ha- I have the same issues. Um, but they, the, the, the exciting part about her trip to the hospital, most of you know her. Let me just fill you in real quick. She has an ongoing problem with what they call rumination, which is basically her stomach does not want to hold food down. Okay, she's had a feeding tube in through her nose for well over a year, and then they finally put one in her, in her stomach, in her side, and it gotten so bad where she wasn't even able to hold water down, and where she had made some progress over the stomach, where her stomach was accepting some foods, and they felt like they were able to find out why this she she'd went backwards over the last several weeks, and uh, I'll spare you the details on that, and uh, it's very looking very hopeful. We're, if you want to pray about something. Pray that her body will learn, her stomach specifically will learn to reaccept food. Okay, that seems really crazy, but that, that has been the, the dominant thing in her, her life. And it's been a challenge and uh, ask you to remember that, alrighty? We have uh, been talking, Tim, is this, we're in the middle of a series called This Is Us. And uh, I know there's a TV show by that name, I've never actually seen it. I've only heard it, saw clips up from it, um, but it's it's basically it's a look at what the church is supposed to be like. We here at Greater Alton, we are a church. That's why we are here, and so we're looking at what does the Bible have to say about that? What should the church look like? All right, uh, Tim introduced the topic a few weeks ago, and in his third third lesson on the in the in the series. He talked about five core values the teachings of Jesus promote. And the first one Alan spent the last two weeks talking about is worship. And what is worship? And I thought, I, I, even though I wasn't here, I did listen to both of his lessons. And um, he made a comment that is just fabulous. If you did not get to listen to those, I really encourage you to go back and listen to those. Okay? Fabulous information, very practical. But he said that worship is what I'm doing 
when I elevate someone or something to a position of preeminence in my life, that I will make sacrifices to it or for it out of love and or fear. And guys, I thought that was a beautiful description because it helps us to see, you know, he didn't mention God in there, did he? In that definition. Okay, because we have to decide, are we truly worshipers of God or not? And there are other things that we worship in our lives. Okay, that, that challenge our allegiance to the God, the creator of the universe. And it, fabulous, I, I encourage you. He talked about three things that worship, that God accepts is personal. All right? It, it, you have to make the decision. I'm going to carry on with that topic here in a little bit. It's powerful. And number three is it's public. And what that means, it's not something you just to do isolated all by yourself. This right now is public worship. We've come together, and for most of us in this room, we've come together out of an allegiance that we pledged to Jesus when we accepted Him as Lord and Savior of our lives. Okay? And we're doing it collectively. And fabulous, fabulous one. Anyway, today the topic, which is the second core value that the teachings of Jesus promote, is is membership. I don't know what you think of when you think of church membership. It's not a topic I get excited about. All right? And the reason is because like so many other things in, in our society, people have different ideas of what that means. Okay, we've even went so far, you know, there's, there's churches that, that keep a very strict membership role and you want to be on it or you don't want to be on it, however it is. And, and we traditionally have not done that around here. Okay, we don't, you can't go in the church office, I don't believe, and find an accurate <laughs> or complete listing of everybody that we consider to be a member here and that they consider themselves to be a member here. And it's, it's just there. It's, it's a big issue for some, but it also can mean ma- many different things. Okay? I mean, it can. You know, you, sometimes we look at it like, uh, what's American Express? What's their slogan? Membership has its privileges. Okay? And some people want to be members of the church. Why? For the privileges. Okay, there's a cost to that membership for American Express, in case you don't know. That's why I'm not a member of American Express. And and membership can mean different things to different people. And in our society, it means the same thing. A lot of times, it's like, what do I get? I mean, I've seen people who are want to be members of the church, either, and we'll get to this more in depth, but you go, Why? What do you perceive as the benefits? Because you're, you're not willing to do what Jesus says here. And so we'll get to this. We'll get to this. It's a hot, bit of a hot topic. You know, and, and guys, there is a purpose for it. Two weeks ago when Susan and I were visiting in North Carolina, uh, to visiting our daughter, uh, we got there a day early, I guess two days early before her surgery. And there's a a little church there that Susan and I went and visited. It's a Reformed Presbyterian church. Gary, what were you guys doing in a Reformed Presbyterian church? You know, not there's anything wrong with that. Why were you there? Well, there's a woman there that I've listened to on YouTube, and her husband's the preacher, and I've heard about the church, and we wanted. I I thought, I want to attend. I want to see what it's like. I'd like to make a connection with these people in some capacity. Um... So we went, but they made it very clear on their website that if you go there, if you're going to take communion, you've got to show up 15 minutes before the service so you can do something they call a session with the elders so they can give you permission to have communion. Okay, now there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a reason behind that. There's logic behind that and I don't have time to get into that I'm just using as an example that different churches have their different ways they want to know you know one of the things is are you a good a member in good standing with the reformed presbyterian church and then I'm assuming we chose not to go through it because I didn't want to put it on them to go 
no, you, you're not good enough to have communion with us. But I'm assuming that it was about, do you really, is Jesus really Lord of your life? Have you really accepted him? Are you just wanting, wanting to take communion with us? You just wanting to not feel left out. That's what I'm assuming it's about. If we visit again, we'll check, we'll go farther and I'll let you know more about that. Um, but let's guys, let's dig into this. Let's get dig into church membership. Okay? There's five ways that the Bible describes the church. And these are significant in different ways. And first of all, just to, I just want to say there's a reason there's five. There's no one single description of the church that we should grab a hold of. But let's look at this real quick. The first way the Bible describes the church as is as a family. In Ephesians 1.5, I love this passage. It says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what it, he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. That's incredible, guys. We are, to, we are a family, and I think we need to consider that. All right, and then God has adopted us into it. Number two, and this is, I believe, is the one that we talk about the most, is a body. Romans twelve five says, so in Christ, we though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Both in Romans 12 and in 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to be looking at some of those passages today. It describes the church as being a, like a physical body. Specifically, in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about, you know, not everybody's an eye or not everybody's a hand. And, you know, we all have different roles, which the body, you know, the picture of the human body clearly illustrates that to us. The third way the Bible describes the church is as a temple. 1 Corinthians 3.16, it says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? Again, guys, pointing back to Alan's lesson last week, or the last two weeks, I'm not sure which one it was in, he talked very plainly that the Bible speaks that we are individually, our bodies are temples for the Holy Spirit, and us together... As individual temples form the temple where God's presence is at. Very cool stuff there. Very cool stuff. I encourage you, if you didn't listen, go back. Fourth way the Bible describes the church is as a kingdom. Okay, in Colossians 1.13 it says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. The fifth way that it describes the church is as a priesthood. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Now guys, each of those, as I said, has different meanings. And I don't know about you, but I've looked at these and I've said, okay, which one, do, which, which one would you, how would you refer to the church most clearly? And which of those would you neglect? Which of those you never think in terms of the church being? That's just something, do, do later yourselves, make yourselves a note. Ask yourself, how do you do that? You see, guys, we need to understand that, as I've already said, that each description is very important. You know, me being the temple of God, my... Us being the temple of God means God's presence is here. That means i got to do more than just show up. I've got to contribute to God's presence being here. Okay? And it goes on and on. A family. Is anybody part of a family where y'all don't really have much to do with each other? It's not a lot of fun, is it? Do we know those families? You know, where the family is, is, a, is a bit bit dysfunctional? Okay, I believe all of us have probably seen it or experienced it on different levels. Guys, it's significant that we understand we are not to be these dysfunctional families that we see in society. We are to be the family of God. 
Each of these descriptions, guys, is given to us by God through His Holy Spirit. And it's something we need to pay attention to. Now, I want to make, make a note here. It's in your notes. And it's that I did not join the church. Okay? You did not join the church. The Bible says that God added you to the church. Okay, it wasn't something, the way it was originally intended, that's the way it says about the, the first believers in Acts 2.47, that's what it says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You see, guys, once a person, they, they didn't say, hey, I want to be a member. You know, they didn't have a card like we have in our communication card, I'd like to know, I'd like to become a member of this church. It didn't exist that way. That is something of our modern society. They were simply added to the body, in God's eyes anyway. And we'll get to that more in a minute. Um, but I find this to be hugely significant. Because the challenge, as I'm going to address today, the challenge isn't how do I become a member of the church. If God's the one that adds us as a member, the challenge is will I live as a member? of the church see that's the question you need to be asking not how do i become a member am i a member the question is am i going to live as a member of the church that is the question that i want us to be thinking about today as we look deeper next week i'm going to be talking about how do i be a good member of the church or to quote that line that that some churches use member in good standing Okay, what does the Bible say about that? It does have some things to say about that. And uh, we'll get to that then. As we begin today, guys, that's the question is, am I living as a member of the church? You see, guys, all of those descriptions, those five descriptions that we looked at just a few minutes ago, all of these are made up. Every one of those descriptions, a family, a body, a temple, a priesthood, a kingdom, is made up of individual members. And so we need to look at that. And all of those descriptions are made up of individual members who have done and are doing three things. First thing they've done is they've accepted and submitted to Jesus as king. Okay? I don't know when I'm going to... They actually have a, 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 a term for what I'm about to describe. I believe it is it Soterian... So, soteriology or something? So, yes. I said it right? Oh, good. Soterian. It's, it, 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 that's a religious word. That's a word I believe is mainly in Christianity. That's the only place I've ever heard the word. Has to do with the culture of churches and Christians being all about salvation. Being saved. How, have you been saved? This is when I got saved. This is how I got saved. These are the circumstances of me being saved. They'll ask you the question, are you born again? Have you been born again? And that is the, the focus. I mean, how many times have you been asked or you asked this question, do I attend a church? Attendance is not equal to accepting and submitting to Jesus as Lord. It, it's just not. I love it. Tim had a comment. If you want to go back and listen to, I don't know which one of his lessons it was in. I don't know if it was number one or number three. He had a very, he had a, he had a, I am told, he was told, he had a few mic drop moments. You know, where he dropped a statement that was just, that resonates, that sticks. And there was only one of them I caught. I don't know how many you caught. But towards the end of it, he's talking about Jesus coming back. And you know what he said? Jesus coming back for his people. And he makes a comment. He says, Jesus isn't coming back for attenders. And guys, all, all he's saying is it's, it's more than just attending church. And so we two things there. We should not rest our laurels on our attendance, number one. But we also should not see somebody else as okay with Jesus just because they attend. So, guys, it's really about, is Jesus our king? Let's look at this passage in Colossians chapter 1. 
verses 17 and 18. It says, He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything He might have supremacy. You see, guys, Jesus did a whole lot more than die on the cross just to forgive our sins. As significant as that is, and I'm not trying to minimize that in any capacity, though I am trying to say only seeing Jesus in that capacity is missing out a lot. See, after he died and he resurrected and he went to heaven, the Bible tells us that he reigns as king. And that's what this passage is telling us here, guys. He is the head of the body. You see, guys, sometimes some of us like to act like Jesus is the hands of the body. You know what I'm saying? He's here to serve us. He's here to make my life easy. He not only saved me, he's here to to solve my problems. And you can go down the list. Marriage, kids, finances, jobs. That's what Jesus is here for. No, 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 he's not. Jesus is here to be the head of the body. Interesting side note, guys, and I, I just I just looked at this this morning, and I looked up when all the verses where it mentions the body, and it mentions either Jesus or or it uses the term Christ. Okay, I was very brief on this, but I didn't find any passages, at least in the NIV translation, that said body of Jesus. Okay found several, and what I believe is every time where it references Jesus' body, or the church as the body, it's the body of Christ. Now most of you know, I'm kind of on a, on a, a little uh, bully pulpit, I guess you will, for, for this word Christ. Christ is not Jesus' last name. It is a description. In fact, the English words is a transliteration of the Greek word Christios, which means the anointed one. Who gets anointed? Kings get anointed. And you see what I'm saying? Whenever it talks about the body of Christ, it's saying the body of the king. And you see, guys, yes, Jesus is my Savior. And He's done that work. And I appreciate it, and I am glad for it. Every time I am confronted with my sinfulness and my weaknesses, I am thankful for that. But when I get up every morning, I don't decide how to live with Jesus as my Savior. I've got to decide, how do I live with Jesus as my King? What does my King want me to do today? Look at this passage in Colossians chapter 1. Beginning in verse 9. It says, we can, and what's going on here is that Paul has never met the Colossian church. And he is praying, he's he's saying, this is what we pray for you. We've heard about you guys, and this is what we pray for you. Powerful prayer. He says, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, and please Him in every way. Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. And giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people, in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Guys, I really want to focus there on verse 10, where he talks about living a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. You see, guys, when you accepted Jesus as Lord... This is what you signed up for. You signed up to live the rest of your life in a way that pleases our King. 
You see, it's His kingdom, which means He is to have dominion. And that means I need to put Him on display by living the way He wants me to live. And not just for two hours on Sunday morning. Okay? All week. Tim gave a description of the church that I want to read to you that I find to be an extremely useful working description of the church. It says that the church is a group of baptized believers who have joined together to worship God and help each other live like Jesus. See, guys, that is the goal. That should be the goal of anybody who's a member of the church is you have decided, you've, you've, you've made the commitment to live like Jesus and you are trying to grow in that commitment. You are trying to be more like Jesus tomorrow than you were today. You want to be able to look back at your life and go, I am more like Jesus today than I was a year ago. That is, that is what membership in the church looks like. Guys, there's a note there, and I feel like I have to mention this because baptism always comes up in relation to, to being a part of a church. It says baptism, and the note is that baptism is when I began my submission to Jesus. It, baptism is the first act of submission to Jesus. Why? Because he, he, he told us to do it. He commanded us to be baptized. Look here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is what Paul points to with the Corinthians. When he's calling for unity, he says, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been given, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. How are we doing? Guys, as we close out that first point, I, I ask you to ask yourself the question, today and tomorrow, how am I doing at submitting to my Lord? Okay? And even more power, I'll, it's challenging. Don't answer that question yourself. I think you should ask yourself that question for honesty's sake. But I really encourage you to ask Jesus. How am I doing, Jesus? And he'll show you. The Spirit will guide you. Yeah, he, Gary, you're more, you're more like me now. All right, but you're blowing it over here. Guys, the question is, am I, do I want to? Am I willing to submit to Jesus as Lord? First characteristic of membership in the church. Membership in the church. Second thing is accept the need for and responsibility to other members. See, most membership, most uh, groups, clubs, organizations that you become a part of, you do have some privileges, you do have some benefits. You also have some responsibilities. Uh, my wife has informed me that sometime here soon, we will no longer be members of the Sam's Club. Whatever the fee is, she didn't want to pay it. She compared the fee to the benefits and said, not us. Considering I've been in Sam's like maybe once in the last year, I completely respect her decision. Uh, but we do not wish to fulfill that responsibility of giving them $150 or $120 or whatever it is for the next month. It's not how you should feel about your membership at the car wash, though. Um, just, just saying, just saying, just saying. Guys, I want to point you back to this description of the church, this working definition of the church that Tim gave. The church is a group of baptized believers who have joined together to worship God and help each other live like Jesus. You see, this description 
completely breaks down when members choose to live independent lives. There is a symbiotic relationship that you have with the church. What does that mean? That means you need the church and the other members of the church need you. Plain and simple. Look at this passage here in 1 Corinthians 12. And uh, we'll keep moving on. It says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. This is the best illustration I can come up with, and I'm I'm guilty of this, okay? Let's just be plain here. How many of you have ever been in a group, it doesn't matter what kind of group, what kind of setting, gathering it is, but somebody is looking at their phone and is very plainly not engaged with any other human being in the group? You know, you, you see the jokes about this where you see, you know, a young man and young woman out on a date at a restaurant and they're both on their phones. Now, I don't know if one of them's deaf and they're texting back and forth, but that's probably not the case. Okay, you, I, I catch myself on the phone. Now, sometimes it's not all bad. I, I, I'm not going to blanket that. Okay? Last night, my son was telling his story at the Bridge Cafe and I was playing Sudoku. I did not miss a word he said. I really did not, okay? Didn't want him feeling like I was hanging on every word either. So it's not a blanket thing, but, but you understand where they're not engaged. Can we do that same thing as members of the church? You know, can we be here and, and only be half interested in following Jesus? Or even here and really just have our own agenda? You know, seeking to get our needs met or we think this part of the church is really good. And so we think this is what needs to be promoted and that's what we're, we're there for. But following Jesus when we leave isn't, isn't what it's about. You see, guys, the linchpin of avoiding that type of activity is to, is to accept my need for and responsibility to the other members of the body. Guys, you can look around right now. And I'm not going to ask you to do it, okay? Don't look around. But think in your head. Who do you want to spend the least time with in this room? Was that polite? Was that kind? Because that exists. Okay, I'm sure I, I'm not. I'm, I'm sure there's somebody in this room that would probably say that about me. Okay. You got everybody got somebody in mind? It's okay. I told you to. It's okay. You need that person. You need that person. Now it may be that you're learning to be love like Jesus. It may learn that you're learning to give patience, kindness, and tolerance the way Jesus does. You see, in my younger days, I used to think that, you know, I was right keeping a distance from somebody because they had something going on or some thought process and they were not interested in repenting. They were not interested in being what Jesus wants them to be. That was my judgment. Okay? And I may have even been accurate on a specific area, whatever, and it annoyed me or it bothered me or I was in righteous indignation about it. But then God showed me Romans chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. It's easy to remember, 2, 3, 4. And he talks about that God's formula for leading us, meaning me, to repentance is kindness, tolerance, and patience. Now I'm guessing if you had somebody in your mind 
a minute ago the last person you want to spend any time with you might be needing to learn some of the patience kindness and tolerance of jesus is that fair okay now on the other hand guys you may need somebody to speak into your life Okay, kindness, patience, and tolerance is significant, but it is also significant that when we see each other not following Jesus, actively choosing to not follow Jesus, that we're involved in each other's lives and say, hey, that's that's the wrong direction, buddy. That doesn't please Jesus. You see, guys, and I want to, I know I'm, I'm going long on time, I'm sorry. Let's look at this next passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verses 23 and 24, it says, Paul is quoting what some of them say. He says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. What's going on there? Some of the Corinthians are saying, I've got the right to do what I want. I've got the right to do what pleases me. And he's saying, what is your focus? If your focus is on seeking your own good, you're missing it. Our focus should be on seeking the good of others. That should be our focus. Guys, I'm going to ask these questions and then I'm going to move on to the next one because I I think it's significant. I'm sorry to cut this long going long what's the main topic of of your conversation with other believers i mean think about those you're closest to maybe you're in your small group maybe it's just someone you're you're very close to okay you may even call them your best friend or at least a good friend in your friend group what are your main topics of conversation okay let me let me throw out some popular ones work is a popular one okay sports are a popular one fantasy sports okay perhaps even video games guys these are all things i hear talked about do we talk about following jesus with the same priority do you notice when you're around a a fellow believer and they don't ever talk about following jesus they talk about their problems, they talk about their challenges, they talk about their struggles, they talk about the good things in their life, but they never bring up how it all connects with representing Jesus in this world. See guys, that is what our conversations should be about. Third thing here that members do is they share their faith. We share our faith. Look at this passage here in 1 Peter 3.15. It says, But dedicate your lives to Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to defend your confidence in God when anyone asks you to explain it. However, make your defense with gentleness and respect. Guys, I want to ask the question, who's the last person you shared your faith with? Mine's a guy named guy named Henry. Okay. Do you have did somebody come to mind that you've shared your faith with? How are you preparing to defend your confidence, as Peter just talked about? To always be prepared. What are you doing to prepare? You see, guys, I don't know if you realize it or not, but there's a very clear battle line that continues to be drawn in this country. I mean, I, I denied it for 35 years. I mean, I remember back when I was fresh getting out of high school and the divorce rate was going up and people having sex outside of marriage was up and people living together without being married was just starting. And guys, these are all non-Christian values. And I looked at that and I said, that'll never catch on. You know, and then shortly after that, you know, homosexuality started being in the, in the forefront. And I thought, 
that'll never catch on. Well, let's fast forward to today and what's going on that is being considered normal and is totally against God, is totally against what the Bible has to say. And my question is, how are you preparing yourself to defend that? Because it's coming. It's not coming, it's here. Okay, I've spoke before about um, um, about the progressive Christian movement that's going on. All right? And their main issue is the LGBTQ issues. And their big, one of the big beefs that this movement has is how people who struggle with same-sex attraction, who are tempted with same-sex attraction and want to follow Jesus, how those individuals have been treated by churches. Okay, and, uh, you can go after the stories and how they've been treated in two regards. One is a, in sometimes in a very judgmental way. One young man tells a story about going to it, feeling need to go to church, and he goes to church, and at some point in time, somebody put a note on his, on his seat that says, you know you're going to hell. Yeah, somebody did not give thought to how to defend their faith with kindness. All right, guys, and it, go, it goes on even to the point of not having, just not having good answers for somebody who is tempted with same-sex attraction. Okay? And really understanding what's, where, where the challenge lies. And I, I, I could talk at length about that, and I hope some, sometime here in the next year we get to talk about this in this forum but guys, the whole point is, how are you preparing yourself? Because I've been asked these questions in the past, and I haven't had good answers. You want to know what Susan and I were doing at a Reformed Presbyterian church last Sunday, or two Sundays ago? It was because of a lady I heard on, on, on YouTube, uh, Rosaria Butterfield, okay, an author. And she's interviewed quite often, and when she speaks, it's on, it's on YouTube. And she is a former tenured professor at Syracuse University back in the 90s where she taught English, women's studies, and queer theory. She was living as a lesbian at the time, was preparing to write a book about how the Bible's bad, I guess, <laughs> on the Bible. And in her research, she ended up in a, in a Reformed Presbyterian church for two years, going to their small group, eating dinner with this small group at this, she says, literally hundreds of meals with this small group at this preacher's house. And she came to faith in Jesus. She says, I love this. She says, the biggest thing I needed to repent of to become a follower of Jesus was not homosexuality. It was a lack of faith. And you see, guys, that's the whole thing. If you're going to, and you will, you are going to run into someone from the LGBTQ community. I mean, you know this. You don't lead with you're going to hell. You don't. You don't even lead with you know that's wrong. You don't lead with that. Because that's not the issue. The issue is they don't know. And believe in the God of the Bible. They don't understand the God of the Bible. In fact, they misunderstand the God of the Bible. And they also see that their struggle is different than a heterosexual struggle. And that ain't true. That is not true at all. And again, I'd love to talk more about this, guys. I'm just using this as an example to say, guys, you need to be preparing yourself. That's what members of the body of Jesus do. We prepare ourselves for these situations. How are you preparing to share your faith in Jesus? That's just one way. Guys, let's look at this last passage and we'll finish up. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. It says, in other words, 
God was using Christ to restore his relationship with humanity. He didn't hold people's faults against them, and he was given us, he has given us this message of restored relationships to tell others. Therefore, we are Christ's representatives, and through us, God is calling you. We beg you on behalf of Christ to become reunited Excuse me, with God. Guys, I want. Did you see it in there? God is expecting each of us to tell others about Him. He is expecting us. We are. How many times? When's the last time you've had a conversation? with those close to you in the church about how to do this. Okay? So how are we doing? Guys, I'm closing out. And I just want to ask the question, how are you doing? I feel like this lesson has been fairly challenging. And so I just want to encourage everybody, guys, one area. We talked about three areas today. What one area do you look at and say, I need to give attention to? I need to ask God where I'm at and what he wants me to do about it. You see, guys, that's what membership in the church is all about. And guys, I want to go a step further. I want to give you an assignment. Can I do that? You won't be graded on it because I won't hear about it. One time I gave an assignment. I, got a, I asked for a reply. So text me if you do this. I got one text. Guys, talk with somebody you're close to this week about how you're doing at these things. Have a conversation. Just a gut level, honest conversation. You know, maybe it's, I don't think about the needs of others. And that needs to change. Maybe it's, I get up every day and I am dominated by just how to get by in this world. Jesus talked about the worries of this life and the desires for other things. Choke out his word. And that's me. Maybe it's, I used to share my faith and I haven't in a long time. And I want to learn again how to do that. But guys, I, 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 I encourage you to do that. Obviously, like I said, you're not going to be graded. You know, or you're going to be asked when you come through the door next week. If you say no, you can't come in. no. I'm not, that's, that's not what we're about. All right? But I, I, I beg you to have that conversation. Okay? Even if it's somebody you're not close to, but it's somebody you feel like would be receptive to that. All right? Guys, I invite you back next week. We're going to be talking about how, we're getting down more specifics of how we can be good members of Christ's body here at Greater Alton. Let's pray, shall we? Father, it is a joy to look at your word and understand that these words written 2,000 plus years ago apply to me today. They speak to me today. Father, you had them written down to to communicate to all generations for all of time how you want us to live. Father, they are timeless truths. And in today's world where things get so easily distorted and manipulated by the love of self and we are guilty. Father, we desire to be the church you want us to be. Father, I believe with all my heart that this is significant. I can't just claim you as king and ignore my brothers and sisters. I can't just tend to the physical needs of my brothers and sisters and not pay attention to your your kingship is concerned with how I represent you at work. And Father, I also have to be aware that you place me in every circumstance that you do to be a representative of you. Whether I'm just being Jesus to someone or whether I'm actively sharing my faith. Father, I long that we, Greater Alton Church, can really be known for these things. 
in a huge way. Father, I pray that we are a church that continues to grow in these things. And in Jesus that we pray. Amen. Here's my burden, Jesus, take it now. Here's my heart, I simply lay it down. Well, I'm not strong enough to stand on my own. And I'm not wise enough to make it alone. So here's my life, Lord Jesus, take it now. Here's my will, I'd simply lay it down. Well, I'm not strong enough to stand on my own. And I'm not wise enough to make it alone. I'm falling back into your arms. I have found my home. Here's my burden, Jesus, take it down. Here's my life, I simply lay it down. Well, I'm not strong enough to stand on my own. And I'm not Falling back into your heart.